This is The Drive with Josh Graham podcast. Tune into The Drive weekday afternoons 3 to 7 on Sports Hub Triad. Teddy Bridgewater was just officially introduced as the Panthers' new quarterback. He did so via Zoom chat. You'll hear from him in a few minutes. But we've spent all week long breaking down what Cam Newton's quarterback market might be since the Panthers have officially released him. And to me, I think there are a bunch of subset markets for Cam. The smallest market is the starting quarterback market. Not many teams there at this point. Maybe the Miami Dolphins, the Los Angeles Chargers are the most popular pick. That's the place I think he ultimately will end up in terms of him just being a traditional backup quarterback. I think the Tennessee Titans could make some sense. Maybe the New York Giants with the tie to Dave Gettleman. Some non-committal comments from the new head coach, Judge, and Gettleman heading into the combine. I think there are a couple other places that would make sense too. I really feel like Every single NFL team at this point should at least reach out to Cam's agent to see what exactly he's asking for, to see exactly what you can get Cam Newton for. Because right now, based on some of the reporting I've seen, we're talking about between 5 to $10 million. That's what we're talking about here. And that's incredibly affordable. And I think that opens up a market that you might think Sounds crazy on its face, but I don't. A market where Cam isn't exactly the starting quarterback. He isn't the backup quarterback either. He's playing more of the Taysom Hill role. We've seen it in the NFC South. It's a copycat league. The Saints, they found a matchup nightmare that led to them being one of the more prolific offenses the last two years. It gave them an advantage. I think a lot of teams have paid attention to this. I think it's going to lead to a team taking Jalen Hurts either late in the first round or in the second round. Have him step in, potentially play that type of role with his versatility. And Cam could do it. I think Cam could actually do it better. He's a physical freak. Man, when you walk in the Panthers locker room, as I had the last few years covering the team, home games at least, he's... He'll be there in just compression shorts, and you look at him and you think, oh my gosh, this this person should dominate whatever position he's playing. We've heard people saying this guy, he would fit better as a tight end. Much of the same conversation that we've had with Tim Tebow over the last decade. Don't care to really revisit those too much. He caught a pass against Tampa Bay one game, nearly scored a touchdown. Of course, he would be an excellent runner. I'd argue he's the greatest red zone threat in the history of the NFL. 15 more touchdown runs than the next closest quarterback, that being Steve Young. 58 touchdown runs. That's three short of guys who got the ball in the 70s every single snap, it seemed like. Like, just short of Larry Zonka's touchdown numbers or O.J. Simpson's touchdown numbers. He has more than some guys you'd consider to be borderline Hall of Famers. He's affordable to almost everybody. Less than $10 million. Aside from... The L.A. Chargers, it doesn't seem like there's this really rich market where he would no doubt be the starting quarterback. L.A., 
again, to emphasize, I think makes the most sense. But here's the criteria for a fit. If you're looking at Cam to potentially play a Taysom Hill-like role. And if I'm nuts, if the coronavirus is just getting to me, you could tweet me at SportsUpTriad, 336-777-1600. In fact, I'm looking into the control room. Robert Walsh, the producer of this show, is rolling his eyes at me. Aaron Gabriel, he just gave me a really stern look. So I got a feeling I'm going out on a whim here. And if you think I sound nuts, that's completely fine. But this is the criteria I think exists. You need to have a team that has an immobile quarterback in their 30s and doesn't have a strong backup. Or, I'll even add, doesn't have a developing, up-and-coming rookie backup. So not like a Cincinnati, not like a Washington Redskins. There are four teams, I think, that fit this criteria perfectly. Minnesota Vikings, Kirk Cousins, his backup is Sean Mannion. Whatever that is. The Detroit Lions have Matthew Stafford, no strong set backup. Daryl Bevel worked with Russell Wilson all those years with the Seahawks. He's the offensive coordinator in Detroit. The Pittsburgh Steelers, they got Ben. And I understand there's Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges there, but they have enough cap space. I think they can make a move on cam. And also, are they sure Ben's going to be 100% this year? Eh, I'm not really convinced of that. Then there's the Atlanta Falcons, which might be the best fit of the bunch. That would be crazy for him to go across the division, but Matt Ryan's the quarterback. Matt Schaub is the backup. This is a team that's desperate. That's why they're bringing in Todd Gurley. Dan Quinn knows if he doesn't make the playoffs, he's likely not going to be a a coach with a job at this time next year, or at least a head coaching job. So why not a coach that knows Cam very well? Cam lives in Atlanta. Why not a coach... On top of that, who knows Taysom Hill and has seen that and what it looks like the last few seasons. Those are the places I think make sense. Now moving to the Panthers' current quarterback, Teddy Bridgewater. He just spoke via Zoom. Robert, what do you make of a Zoom press conference? We got a chance to see what a lot of the living rooms and bedrooms of North Carolina's finest media looks like. Jordan Rodriguez, shout out, had a pretty sweet Soundgarden Pearl Jam poster, our good friend from The Athletic. But Teddy's not in North Carolina yet. This was being held from Miami. Let's hear what he had to say about what really attracted him to North Carolina, specifically his relationship with Joe Brady dating back to when they were both together in New Orleans two years ago. He was the guy who actually taught me everything when I first got to New Orleans. I had got traded there at the end of the preseason, and you know the coaches were in grind mode and getting ready to prepare Drew and the team to play the season. So uh, Joe was the guy who worked with me, you know, after practice in the pregames. Uh, he was the guy who took me through drills. Uh, we went over the call sheet together, and uh, he just stayed active with me. And um, you know, it was great to have a guy like that. I forgot the note, Robert. The Zoom press conference was being held from a submarine in Miami. Should I have made that clear? I don't know. It's just, (laughs) it's not the best audio, but at least we got to hear from him. Oh, yeah, it is good to hear from Teddy. And I guarantee you he's probably wearing sweats. I bet every player would like to have it that way. Hey, I don't have to get in a suit and have this starched press conference. I could just hold it from my house, probably on my iPhone, Sitting here in sweats. 
not a bad deal, Aaron. Doesn't sound like Cameron Newton style. Like, man, I've been waiting to break this head out. <laughs> oh, yeah. What, what's Teddy's drip going to look like this year? The drip chronicles. The Is he going to have any of that? It's going to be drastically less uh, entertaining. I would agree with that. What has he been doing now since everybody is cooped up in their homes? So I, I pulled out the Nintendo 64. I'm playing Mario Kart. Uh, I got the old PlayStation 2 playing all the old mans. I got every man from 2001 to 2011. So uh, just bored in the house, but uh, you know I'm trying not to be too bored. Hold a minute. How strange is that for him to have every Madden from 2000 to 2011. Is that a strange deal or am I wrong here? Like, how much different are these games, let's say 2010 to 2011 or 2007 through 2009? Well, the main thing would be you get, you know, classic players from the older games. So... You may get, you know, a prime priest Holmes, for example. Yeah, on one, some of on, these games you don't need. Ball. Some of them you could throw into the trash, like the Donovan McNabb cover that has the quarterback vision cone. You remember that, where every single quarterback of African American descent they have the really small cone. It seems like while Peyton Manning's is the whole damn field. I never used the vision cone, but I do remember. It. Oh, the vision cone was awful. Michael Vick was unstoppable in two thousand four. Ray Lewis, was that the one where they introduced the hit stick for the first time? Yeah. Oh, goodness. I love the Dante Culpepper one. They used to have the raps. Remember they used to have the intro music with raps? So it sounds like you owned all these Maddens, too. No, I played them, and then I discarded of the Madden and got a new one the next year. I never kept them. I don't think there's any problem with keeping them, though. I've got all of them since the Peyton Hillis cover. We probably should have followed that important journalistic question. What is his go-to Mario Kart racer? I'm a Yoshi guy. What do you think Teddy is? Teddy's a Waluigi. I can or a Luigi. That. Luigi is like the perfect Teddy Bridgewater character. Yeah. Yeah, I, I sign off on that. Our new afternoon host, Adam Golt, he's going to drop by for a bit, and it's kind of strange. Both Kane's owner, Tom Dundon, and Carolina Panthers owner, David Tepper, are in the news. I'll tell you why. Next. Here's your mic check. Check. Mic check. Test. Check. Check. You're on the drive with Josh Graham. Our early afternoon host, Adam Gold from the Adam Gold Show, in with us now. Happy opening day to you, sir. What should have yeah. been opening day? Same to you. <laughs> um, Same to you. This, Don't this, rub it in. This might be a sign of optimism, and it involves a headline from Carolina Panthers owner David Tepper. I was reading Market Watch, mm. and the headline's this. Man who scored big during the 2008 financial crisis says the stock market could be near a bottom, but it's a time to start nibbling if you are an investor, David Tepper, you got to remember his decisions that he made during America's mm-hmm. last crisis made him an NFL owner. That's not hyper hyperbole in any way. He, he made concentrated bets on our financial system during the housing crisis, bought some beaten down bank shares, 
And he he essentially just thought that the Federal Reserve was going to do their thing and he was going to make billions off it. He was exactly right. He earned $7 billion in 2009, profited himself personally $4 billion. And what happened six months later? He is a minority stake owner of the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm going to do the same thing. It's not a bad idea. Start nibbling at some of those markets. And then I'm going to buy the Carolina Panthers. Uh, what sports team would you buy if you had the option? I know oh, you're a big Mets it. fan. Stop. The only, only one I would buy. I would only. I would actually no. There would be two. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I would. I would buy the Mets, of course, uh, because uh, the Mets are being run into the uh, into the pavement in Queens by Fred Wilpon and his son Jeff. Uh, but I would buy my local hockey team, the Carolina Hurricanes. Speaking of that, going to the other major professional yeah. sports owner in this state, Tom Dundon, making mm-hmm. some news as well as a story surfaces from our state's capital, as the Raleigh News and Observer reported that there were going to be some layoffs of full-time employees with the Hurricanes. I understand you had a chance to speak with Tom Dundon. We heard some of it during the Adam Gold Show, but explain this to me like I'm five. What exactly happened here? Uh, first of all, I'm pretty sure that the News and Observer did not say layoffs. Um, I think we all maybe incorrectly assume layoffs. Uh, but right now, there are, I mean, even in the email which triggered all of these media reports, uh, that email, that internal email that basically told employees that you got to take your vacation uh, because we want everybody to uh, use up all of that. Uh, so we come back, you know, we, nobody's going to leave. Um, all, there were no mention of layoffs. But ultimately, business is bad. Business is bad everywhere because we don't have games. So nobody is making money. And um, will the will the Hurricanes stop paying people? I think they will. They're waiting to see whether or not the federal government is going to, like, we don't know what this stimulus bill is going to look like because it's going to get voted on and passed tomorrow morning. Uh, But they're waiting to see what the stimulus bill is going to do for businesses and for employees who are laid off if, in fact, they can't, uh, you know, people can't make some money. Uh, so I don't, we don't know what the end game is. All I will say is that the, the hurricanes dispute the characterization in the News and Observer, and I wanted the owner on the record as saying that he was going to make sure that the employees get paid. What do you make of the defense from Don Waddell last night, though, where he says, um, no, we were just encouraging people to take their vacation time. Or someone said, you're not allowed to give mandated uh, vacation time, but then he essentially said, yeah, they're going to have to take vacation time. Right. Well, I mean, you work for a company. I work for a company. If they came to me tomorrow and said, hey, Adam, you have to take your however many days of PTO I get. If they told me tomorrow, you have to take that now, I would say, okay, handwriting on the wall, because ultimately, if you are let go as an employee, for whatever the reason, Uh, whatever your severance package would also include vacation time not used. So if that's ultimately the end of it, then I would would understand that, okay, they're getting rid of me uh, because they want me to take my vacation time. That's 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 the way I would look at it. Yeah, that's the way I I look at it too. And I thought it was just an interesting response from Waddell because it kind of leads us to do two plus two 
and figure out what exactly uh, is for. Adam Gold is on Twitter at a gold fan and. There's someone in the control room that's been waiting all week for you to come on because of something you you said a few days ago. Aaron Gabriel is an assistant producer on this show, and Aaron is upset because he got really into the XFL season. Like, this is a Houston Roughnecks radio show that you're on right now. Excellent. he, He took issue with something you said about P.J. Walker. Aaron, what exactly are you mad at Adam about? You know, I was hoping since you knew to the sports hub family that, you know, we could get off on a bird of foot. But <laughs> okay. I was on the way into work on maybe yesterday, two days ago. I listened to your show, Mr. Gold. <laughs> you talked about PJ Walker headed to right? the Panthers, coming from the Houston Roughnecks. Yeah, it has some disparaging, dismissive things to say, Mr. Gold. And I don't I appreciate have, that. Like what was disparaging? Said, this is well, a roughneck show. <laughs> What was what disparaging, though? I'm just curious. You was real dismissive. I don't remember specifically what you said. <laughs> what? You don't even know what you're mad about? What are you mad? I remember being, I was so upset. I couldn't write it down. I was so, I can't believe it. Couldn't believe it was happening. I, I mean, I, uh, look, look, I'm not saying I wasn't dismissive. Um, I, I think it's understandable to be dismissive of a Houston Roughnecks legend. I get it. It's under. I think it's understandable to be dismissive of what is essentially double-A football. Um, but I'm, I'm, if you don't know, if I don't know what you, what you were mad about, I, we can't address it. We can't become friends. We can't get past this. Yeah. That's not a good starting foot on your part, Aaron. You gotta, you gotta communicate. Why, I just want to know here. Um, also, it's five and oh, that's what you can hang, you hang your hat on. The only thing saying. we care about, the what? only thing we should ever care about with quarterbacks, right? Is win loss percentage. <laughs> right. Yeah. Cam Newton has lost his last eight starts. Have Undefeated. you seen one of those graphics? I wanted some more. I wanted some more enthusiasm from you, Mr. Gold. Yeah. More enthusiasm. Well, here's Walker. all you need to know. Like you said, in, the legend. In order, Aaron, in order to, in order to play for the Carolina Panthers, you have to have some pre-existing relationship with either Matt Rule Joe Brady or somebody else on the coaching staff. I think that's pretty obvious. Robbie Anderson, uh, he knew Matt Rule from Temple. I am assuming that they will sign Muhammad Wilkerson, who, when Matt Rule was the recruiting coordinator at Temple, Wilkerson was recruited to go there. I assume that they'll sign him next. It, it's a good thing Bill Cosby's in jail. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, or else he's a huge Carolina Panthers fan. Let's not forget that this isn't the first time the Carolina Panthers brought in the most no- notorious XFL star. They also brought in That's He right. Hate Me Smart, who was on the Super Bowl team. So if I'm also doing the math here, does this mean Carolina's going to a Super Bowl pretty soon? P.J. Walker <laughs> is playing a Rod Smart role. All right. It, first of all, is what's P.J. Walker's nickname? Uh, Rod Smart had the greatest nickname in the history of pro football. He hate me. Right. And it was also, and Bill, Bill Rosinski is a friend of mine who was doing play by play at the time. Uh, and when he returned a kickoff for a touchdown, Rosinski's play by play flourish was, he hate me. We love you. It was amazing. It's awesome. You could still find that. Yes, on, absolutely. On the internet. So how are you going to celebrate opening day? For me, I always listen to Orioles magic because I'm miserable. I have two teams. I root wait, for wait, the Hurricanes. Wait. And I'm You're an Orioles, an Orioles fan. fan? Yeah, it's one of the two teams I have. Bless your heart, man. Uh, it's terrible. I know Bless you spent heart. time in the state of Maryland. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm a huge Cal Ripken guy. Shoot. I mean, Eddie, Eddie Murray was a friend of the family. 
Man, I love. What? Wait a second, wait a second. Eddie, first of all, Eddie Murray's one of the most miserable human beings of all time. He's a friend of the family? That's he cool, is. though. Eddie Murray shut out all the media except for my yeah. dad, who got to know him and traveled with the team a little bit. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, Eddie Murray was an in- incredible player. Uh, two, two quick things about the Orioles. Uh, I've had, for, for the three years I worked in Baltimore, I had hot dogs uh, on opening day morning with Brooks Robinson all three years. SK dogs? Uh, of course. Well, what else is there? Of course. And uh, I I spent about an hour and a half in Cal Ripken's parents' house uh, with his dad, Cal Sr., and his mother, Vi, uh, doing a story that I did for uh, for the news talk station uh, there. So um, I never met Cal in that way. I've talked to Cal a bunch uh, but I'd never like been like hanging out in his house, uh, but I was hanging out in his parents' house, which could not be a more modest, blue-collar section of suburban Baltimore. Why don't we still have teams making songs like Orioles Magic or like the New York Knicks had in the 90s? Because they don't care. Oh. They, they do stuff on social media. They do, they do viral videos. That, that's, that's the new, like, there's no Meet the Mets song, right? <laughs> we need one. I sang "Meet the Mets" to my uh, to my kid when he was an infant, when right after he was born. He'd be he he's a Mets fan because I sang "Meet the Mets" to him, on you know until he became aware that the Mets was a thing, and now he's a Mets fan, and my wife's mad because she's a Red Sox fan and she's trying to get him to be a Red Sox fan. But he's a Mets fan. I'm gonna just go home and be sad listening to Ernie Harwell baseball poems today. Oh, uh, qu- quick thing before uh, before you have to go. Yes. Um, Chuck Thompson, legendary voice of the Orioles. Of course. Right? Uh, I once did a story for the Ravens pregame show where I was doing kind of offbeat things, and I played out a game. The the Ravens were playing the uh, 49ers that week, and I played out a game on Stratomatic football, and then I wrote some highlights (laughs) and brought it to Chuck Thompson's house, and I sat at his kitchen table with Chuck Thompson in his bathrobe and slippers as he essentially pretended to do play-by-play of a game that didn't happen. Week four of the pandemic, you doing a Stratomatic football game and we bring it to the air. I'll do it. Whatever you want to do. I don't care. All right. Well, we'll have you on uh, each week. It's good to have you on the station. Enjoyed the show. And uh, I appreciate you popping in after your show ended. I know it's uh, a lot of of work to do a show. And I'm glad the Roughnecks (laughs) didn't get a chance to go for a title. Whoa! Steve Spurrier getting mad about not getting a ring, and then he got one. The Roughnecks deserve one, too. I, nothing. I disagree with you They on deserve that. nothing. He's on Twitter, at a gold fan. Listen to the Adam Gold Show. Noon to See three. Later, Thanks, man. buddy. That Please. is Adam Gold with us on the show. All right, how about this? Via Instagram and his weird font, I think we learned a lot about Cam in the last 24 hours. I'll tell you why next. Josh Graham loves to talk sports. He also loves to talk about women's footwear, but he just ends up sounding creepy. You're on The Drive with Josh Graham. Let me know if any of you guys have had this experience. There's a movie series or a TV show that you like a lot or you liked from a long time ago. You rewatch it for the first time in a long time, and you discover some of the things that you loved, heck, even some of the characters that you may have loved, aren't as great as you remembered them to be. 
I had that experience binging the entire Harry Potter series. Eight movies, which average out to about two and a half hours per in six days. Eight Harry Potter movies, six days. We knock that out. And Ron Weasley, growing up, I was compared to him before I wore glasses. People said I looked like Ron all the time. I thought he was charming. He was my favorite character in the Harry Potter movies. Rewatching it again, though, I I quickly discovered Ron is actually the worst. Like, there's no reason why he deserved Hermione Granger. Explain that to me. Like, he's just annoying. He's not courageous. Doesn't listen to any directions at all. He's actually really mean to Hermione which I took issue with. I didn't recognize that the first time. Watch it back. I I think Hermione should have gotten with somebody else in Harry Potter. Should have just stuck it out with a Victor Crumb or somebody of that sort. Maybe veered away from the Weasley. Why are you looking at me that way, Aaron? Because, Josh, you're a hater. I'm not a hater. You are a hater. You sound just like a hater right now. Okay, let me go to my next example. <laughs> I love How I Met Your Mother. I used to like Robin Trubotsky. But the second rewatch, Robin's the worst. Like, Robin, as the season went on, it was more about her problems. She ruined the group. She ruined the ending of the show. I'm not going to spoil it for those who haven't seen it. But Robin is the worst. You can spoil it. This has been out for years now. I don't want to talk about it. I punched a wall. <laughs> I punched a wall after that finale. You Joel buried yourself because I did. Of how I, met your I Joel buried myself. You know, the ending of that show it really bothered me. Robin, I am upset with her. I think she's the absolute worst. But the first time I watched, I thought she was the greatest. I thought she was awesome. I had a mini crush on Robin Sparkles. Then there's the office people. Now, I haven't sat down and watched the office from start to finish, but I've watched enough television in my life and know a lot of office fans to think maybe Pam isn't as great as everybody believed her to be about 10 years ago. When you think about it, when you look at Pam's trajectory through the seasons of the office, She starts out as somebody who hates her job, who quit on her dream to try and pursue like an arts career. Like she had all these arts that she did. She dropped out of art school, I believe. She quit on that. Graphic design. Graphic design, excuse me. It was something artsy. She she was flirting with Jim while she had a fiance, then paid in this fiance to look awful just because he was suspicious she was cheating on him when, in fact, she was cheating on him. She le- she had this other guy, Brian, lingering about as well, who for some reason was away from his ex-wife. They were on a break for some reason. Gee, I wonder why. And Jim's trying to pursue his dream. And is Pam very supportive? Not as supportive as Jim was for her supporting her graphic design career. So Pam, not so awesome. Brought Roy back into the fold just to get Jim jealous. I see it all the time. Back when I was on the dating apps, 
Anytime I saw somebody with something office related, hey, just looking for my gym, I could be your Pam. I don't want you to be my Pam. And secondarily, if that's something you're putting on a description for yourself, you are very uninteresting. And I'm going to swipe left. Or if you tell me what your coffee order is. That's a hard swipe left, Robert. I think you're judging people way too quickly. I'd like to play a little devil's advocate for Pam. I do get annoyed by Pam in the older seasons, but she didn't necessarily give up on her dreams. She had trouble learning the new software for graphic design. So when she told Jim, hey, I have to retake this course, it's going to be three months, they already struggled. It was already hard for them to be apart for that long. And Jim was like, well, you're just going to have to do it. And Pam said, no, I'm going to come back. And she surprised him. But I will say this. I'm not looking. Didn't she make Jim move to another city? Jim moved to Philadelphia to follow his dream. See, I don't, I don't even think you're qualified to talk about the hate for Pam. You don't even know what went on. Okay. Again, but, I acknowledge that on the front end. But I will say, you need to stop hating on people for enjoying things like The Office because you think they're basic. I have an Office quote on mine. It's not even a quote. I'm not looking for my Pam. I'm looking for my Holly. So you don't even know about that because you haven't watched The Office. Oh, oh I know who Holly is. You are listening to 33... Uh, I was going to give the phone number. You are listening to The Drive. You are listening to The Drive, 336-777-1600. Aaron, do you have any input on this? I got nothing. Just don't be hating on Ron Weasley. I have a Ron Weasley cardboard cutout in my house. You look like Ron Weasley. That's why. He got it as a gift. I, I received it as a gift. Got, received, same word. Yeah. I received it in Los Angeles. And... I didn't know how I was going to get this thing on a plane. I thought it was going to be sitting next to me, like in coach. I had to give it its own chair. But fortunately, I had a big enough suitcase. I was able to fold it and fit it into my bag. 336-777-1600. Ryan tweets in, you leave Pam Beasley's name out your mouth. She's an angel. I will fight you in the street over her. I feel like I'm not training the audience the way I need to. I think... I think they're adapting some of my ways, talking about fighting in the street and such. Do we have Keenan? All right, let's go to Keenan. Uh, what's your perspective? I was just wanting to call in quickly and say, if you have not watched The Office at least 126, 27 times, you need to not talk smack about Pam. You got to get into it a little bit more. You got to know your details. How do you feel about Pam? That she is a relatable character. She had normal struggles that we all do, where you have your dreams that you think uh, you, that you want to pursue, and then you struggle with them, and you have temptations. But she stayed true to Jim. Uh, he, he, you know, flipped up a few times too. He uh, bought a house without telling her. That's a pretty big thing. He took the job in Philadelphia, even though that was hard on her. And in the end, it all worked out. You have a good happy ending at the end, but, you know, they never, you know, actually cheated on each other. It's very relatable, so you got to watch yeah. it at least a hundred more times before you start talking about it. Yeah. Don't forget about Jim that, taking that ten grand too, to invest. That's what she said. Thanks for yeah, the call, Keenan. true. All right. Moving it along. We have another Sports Hub time machine to roll into. This one. Might be underrated, might be forgotten about a bit. Nearly 15 years ago, Drew Brees and Philip Rivers 
They were on the same team. Drew Brees, he got a shoulder injury with the San Diego Chargers. He went into free agency, the Miami Dolphins. They brought him in to work him out with Nick Saban as the head coach, and they decided, eh, we're going to do Dante Culpepper instead with Miami. And then a lot of things in sports, college football and the NFL, changed as a result. Let's figure out what our radio show might have sounded like after Nick Saban passes on Drew Brees and instead he's allowed to go join Sean Payton with the Saints. It doesn't matter when you get here, just what time. Back it up, back it up. Let's go. What would it sound like if the drive with Josh Graham were here for some of the greatest moments in sports history? Today, we find out. Yeah. Let's fire up the Sports Hub time machine. My hips don't lie and I'm starting to feel you, boy. My two beautiful, handsome, striking sons, Walker and Texas Ranger. This is Sparta! Wow, 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 he's a very nice. 2006. With the first selection in the second round, number 32 overall, the San Diego Chargers have selected quarterback from Purdue, Drew Brees. We spent some time on the subject with the injury that he had. We were really concerned, and man, we had a lot of doctor's reports. So I go to Miami, and all, all, all I felt from Miami when I was there was how much doubt they had if I believed to come back. The Miami Dolphins, they have their new quarterback, Dante Culpepper. It seemed they were interested in Drew Brees from San Diego, but he had the shoulder surgery. Could never really chance that. That can really shoot your career. So Dante, even though he might be nicked up in stretches, that's a guy who's more of a sure thing. You know what you're getting in Dante Culpepper. If you honestly believe Drew Brees is a better decision to have on your team than Dante Culpepper, I'll ask you one simple question. Robert Walsh, how many Madden covers was Drew Brees on? Uh, I think that answer is zero. Is zero. Dante Culpepper, though, he's got a Madden cover. Oh, yeah. Can run it a little bit. I'm not worried about his shoulder. In the end, here's what it boils down to. Nick Saban, he's an NFL coach. That's what he is. This this guy, he's done with college. He's especially done with the SEC. Like, what else does he have to do in the SEC? Already got the national title with LSU. So he's done with college football altogether. Nick Saban, he's focused on beating his former uh, colleague, Bill Belichick. This Miami Dolphins team, they are looking up. Zach Thomas, Jason Taylor, this Dolphins squad, now that they got Dante Culpepper, I think that unlocks them a bit. Throw the ball to Randy McMichael. That's a name. Randy McMichael, Nick Saban. Dolphins, they're going to overtake the Patriots because, again, eh, that defense is getting old. This isn't about the Patriots' offense. Tom Brady, it's great he's been in place when they won the Super Bowls, but... Come on now. It's not about Tom. It's about Teddy Bruschi. That's what it's about. Richard Seymour. Mike Frabel. Those guys are getting older. And when they do, Miami Dolphins. Nick Saban. Gonna take over the football world 
in the NFL, not college, the NFL. He's an NFL coach, Dante Culpepper. He's the guy. As for Drew Brees, I'm seeing reports, Robert. See if you could confirm this. Like, maybe check some of the websites. Is this in the paper today? Find a way if we have internet of some sort to see if the New Orleans Saints have signed Drew Brees. I think that might be where he's going. Uh, I believe so. Uh, I'm seeing reports that they were also uh, worried about his shoulder, but I'm not sure. We're going to have to check that out. Yeah, I like Sean Payton. He was he was decent as Bill Parcells' offensive coordinator in Dallas. But the Saints? Tell me your favorite Saints memory. Yeah. When Sam Mills was running around 10 years ago, that defense was good. Yeah, tell me your favorite Aaron Brooks moment. Come on now. Like, I feel for New Orleans. I know right now they're still trying to recover from Katrina. And we really feel for those folks. But the football team, here's what I think is going to happen. I think Drew Brees and Sean Payton together, they probably last about two years. Give it till 2008. And I think this team's going to move to San Antonio. I don't even think they're going to be in New Orleans. That's that's what I think is going to happen here. Already seeing the reports. You know? I feel bad. New Orleans, they have good football fans, but man, the team doesn't win. And I don't think Drew Brees and Sean Payton, they're going to be the answer there. I don't think it's going to work out at all. Coming up. This is what you could expect here. The Tar Heels, they just won a national title. I think it's all downhill now. Or maybe, I guess it's uphill. It's not going to be good. Who's this Tyler Hansborough guy? You really expect this guy to be any good? We'll explore that next. Man, whole lot of wrong there. Not my proudest moment. What was your favorite movie that you heard in that sequence going in? Oh, it's definitely Borat. I probably watched that movie more times than I've taken breath. Borat. Very nice. Is that the best Sasha Baron Cohen film anyway? I know we talked yesterday about him doing uh There's Ali G Tiger King. Ali G, you've got uh Bruno, you've got I got a Bruno story that I want to get to in a second. Have you you are seen listening. series he did? The series he did for Showtime where he's uh, exposing America. Yeah, yeah, that was fantastic. Yeah, you are listening to WSJS Winston-Salem, WCOG Greensboro, WPCM Burlington, WMFR High Point. Those signals making up Sports Hub Triad. This is a guy I've been wanting to talk to all week long. He does an excellent job of making sophisticated matters on injury fronts and all things sports medicine make it very consumable for the listener, for people who read his book as well. It's called That's Gotta Hurt, Injuries That Change Sports Forever. It's Dr. David Geyer who has ties to Wake Forest University. He joins us from Charleston right now. So give me a sense here. How big of an issue is the NFL physical problem the fact that teams aren't able to get medical physicals taken care of when they're signing free agents or trading for players 
from a player standpoint, it's a huge problem, apparently. The, a lot of the players that have been signed uh, got signing bonuses predicated on uh, you know, basically being a member of the team. And until you get a physical, you're not a member of the team. And there are reports that some of those players will miss out on large signing bonuses because they just can't get their physicals in time. Now, I, that may be something that the NFL Players Association can – sort of work with owners to sort of work out. I don't know why that necessarily is the case. It's something about the language in the the collective bargaining agreement, but that to me seems fairly unfair. From a team standpoint, though, those physicals are critical because you want to know as soon as possible if that player's not going to pass the physical or not do well on the physical so that you potentially you know, avoid the signing the player and you go look for another player, uh, that uncertainty, it, it makes it very difficult to move forward with the next best option if you don't know that that one that you want does have a problem that your doctors feel too high risk. So a lot of uncertainty on both sides, and it's probably not good either way. I don't know when that's going to be lifted, but uh, I I think this is going to be a problem at least for the next month or so until the NFL gives and the doctors are are clear to do this again. On the signing bonus front, players, my understanding, are getting the signing bonus, but there is a caveat in there that if they do fail the physical – uh, when they are allowed to have one, that they will lose that signing bonus. The yeah. NFLPA, not a big fan of that, but still, you got to kind of adapt with what is a difficult time for everybody. Yeah, Adam- but I, I don't think that's any different than if you got the physical right away and you fail it. Uh, they're, they're, you're not, I don't think you get the signing bonus there either. So I, it's just delayed. You're getting the money and you have to give it back. I think if that if what you're telling me yes. is, is how it's happening, so that I actually think that seems relatively fair. Adam Schefter tweeted this a few days ago, 20 minutes before the news became official that Cam Newton was released by the Panthers. He said Cam had a physical in Atlanta, coordinated by the Panthers and his agency team, according to his sources, and he passed the physical and is healthy. Talking about both his shoulder and his foot. I'm interested in what you think about the physical that he had Monday and whether or not it's your belief teams will take the results there as gospel and say, hey, right, well, he passed a physical. He must be good enough to play for my team. Or they're going to want their own specific doctors to clear him. They will want their own doctors to clear him. I, I think they will listen. I don't think they just completely ignore a physical because there's tremendous respect among the NFL team physicians. Now, I, I don't know uh, if he saw the Falcons doctor or if this was a doctor from some, you know, there's lots of independent doctors. I do some sometimes. Uh, so there, that makes it a little cloudier. But at the end of the day, no, the teams are still going to want to do their physical. But they may hear this result and say, hey, that sounds really good. Maybe you know, they get to see video of Cam running and he looks good there. And they, sort, they start talking to him and negotiating with him, but they're still absolutely going to want their doctors to examine him. That's really the only reason I think that Cam Newton hasn't already been signed is there's a lot of uncertainty about that foot injury and how well he's going to be able to recover from it. Is he going to be able to push off? Is he going to be able to change directions like he could before? He's on Twitter at Dr. David Geyer, Dr. David Gar- uh, Geyer, the author of the book that's got to hurt injuries that change sports forever. A good read while you're holed up in your house trying 
to keep tabs on all things injury-related with Cam Newton. Heck, maybe we'll ask you about Tua Tagovailoa in just a bit. But Cam passed a physical. How much does that tell you about what he can do and what he can't do this fall? Uh, it, it tells me that that surgery healed well and that all is progressing. The physical doesn't necessarily take into account where he is in the rehab phase and is he ready to go right now. Uh, it, it's certainly a good sign and suggests that he would be ready for uh, summer training camp or whenever that's going to take place if that gets delayed. Uh, but it doesn't sort of tell you for sure uh, where he's going to be in three months. Uh, you, I think you and I talked about this, I don't remember when, it was November maybe, and, and I said that that's still typically a nine-ish month recovery. And so um, it just tells – I read that as meaning uh, that he is on the, the correct course. He's not slower than normal. Considering his history when it comes to the shoulder – versus the injury he had last year, the Liz Frank that he had surgery on. It's really the first thing he had a significant foot injury in his career. What concerns you more long-term, Cam's shoulder or his foot? Uh Assuming that what they say is true about him doing well with the physical, I mean, I'd love to see him running, quite honestly. That would help a lot. But I still say the shoulder uh, is, is worse long-term for a quarterback because you wonder – is he going to be able to have the same velocity uh, and power in his throws uh, two years from now, three years from now? I mean, if he was completely healthy, you would assume he still has many years left if you look at Brady and Drew Brees and Phillip Rivers. But you worry that if that rotator cuff uh, makes his throwing ability, uh, if it decreases it at all, uh, that's going to have a, a longevity issue. Now, the Liz Frank is more of a short term. If he's having pain as he tries to push off on it, yeah, that could quickly end his career. But if it doesn't, then I don't expect any long-term issue there. Tua, there was a video of him earlier this week working the cone drill just about six months maybe, four or five months after he had the injury against Mississippi State. It was a hip injury, and he had quite the process just to get back into football shape. He might not be there completely, but he's able to run on it. He's able to throw some passes. How concerned are you about Tua as he gets set for the draft next month? Yeah, I thought that video, he, I thought he looked great. Uh, I, my question with him is more long-term than short-term. When you break the acetabulum, which is the socket that the ball of your hip sits in, uh, that has a tendency to develop into uh, arthritis over a few years. Now, these are typically injuries in older people, not so much younger athletes, uh, but even though he had surgery, and the surgery is to minimize that risk, stabilize the hip, and, and hopefully line those pieces up perfectly, there's still a fairly uh, a not insignificant risk that he ends up with arthritis-type changes three years from now, five years from now. So my concern is not necessarily now. If he looks like that now, I, I think he could easily be ready for training camp. The question would be, does he make it to a second contract, the, the big contract? And uh, I certainly hope he does. Seems like a great kid and a horrible injury. But I, I think there, I would be at least a little worried about that if I was an NFL general manager. It's Dr. David Geyer. The books, that's got to hurt. Injuries that change sports forever. I can vouch for it. It's a very interesting read if you're a sports fan and have always been curious about some of the injuries that you hear about so commonly where some of the procedures came from and 
how they impacted the sports world. Dr. Geyer, stay safe in Charleston, and I hope all is well. I appreciate that. Thanks, and everybody out there listening, yeah, definitely do your part to, to stay safe and keep everybody else healthy around you. You're the absolute best, man. Thanks. All right, thank you.